his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. The economy. It's all about the economy. There's major economic news out today as Joe Biden admits to CNN's Jake Tapper. Well, we could slip into a slight recession that making headlines today. We have a lot of health news. I'll get to what's happening in Florida with the Surgeon General there in Florida making waves as there's a new recommendation for boys who might want to get a COVID-19 vaccination. I'll have that momentarily. A lot of health news. I want to begin in a story that made national news last week. And this, everybody in, in the national news media was talking about this. This is Central Bucks, the school board there, and the school system accused by the F, the ACLU, accused of bullying Certain kids, LGBTQ kids, accusing them of discrimination. Well, now there was a packed school board meeting last night. Members of the board for the Central Buck School District had their chance to respond to the community, to these serious allegations and accusations. And it was a heavily redacted document when it went public. And I, and I have the document. I told you about it last week and went over that with you. I don't see the reaction from board members making the national headlines because, you know, they were essentially smeared last week. All the national news media, local news media hurling these accusations that they discriminate and bully certain kids. How horrifying. Wouldn't you think that the coverage would be equal as members of the board, the school board, Central Buck School District, speak out? So let's listen into this latest report. Switching gears now, new tonight, Central Bucks School District responding to an ACLU complaint now over the alleged harassment and discrimination against LGBTQ plus students. School board officials denied the allegations during a packed school board meeting in Doylestown tonight. They say they support every student and that the ACLU should have never released their complaint to the public. The announcement comes as dozens of parents weighed in on a potential policy that could stop teachers from discussing things like sexual orientation, gender identity, or religion in the classroom. Some say that's discriminatory, but others say topics like sex education are not only harmful, but inappropriate. These policies are discriminatory. If you pass these, you will be stripping trans and queer kids of the necessary autonomy over our lives, our bodies, and our identities. To thank all the uh, the board members that are standing up for our children and doing what's right and forgetting about the uh, the agenda. 
So what's interesting, and of course, what what strikes us is that the school board members accused of all these horrible things. That was the report that aired on a leading 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock news last night. And this is less than a week, but six days ago, right, after the ACLU filed that federal complaint against the Central Bucks School District. So the packed board meeting last night, you heard there were some thanking the board members who were uh, voted in last fall and they're Republicans. And yes, this has a, a political spin to it, of course. So many showing their support for and against a policy, if approved, would limit a teacher's ability to, for example, display a pride flag inside their classroom. What they're not saying in some of these reports is that not only can you not display a pride flag, you cannot display any flag, uh, whether it's a, a flag, you know, for your favorite team or for your religion or your politics or for, you know, one of those Hitler flags, right? A Nazi flag. That would be horrifying. So they're saying no flags, no, zero. Not, you're, not, you're not bringing your, your flags and we're not going to have all these flags at school and have to deal with the fallout. But at the start of the school board's meeting, Central Buck School Board President Dana Hunter addressed the ACLU's federal complaint against the state's fourth largest district. And this is a district, as I've told you, in Bucks County where people move here just for the schools. The schools are awesome here and they're and they're known as such. And so you have very involved parents in their kids' lives. And a lot of parents are saying, I just want a place. I want a voice in my child's education. And so we, we heard the president, Dana Hunter, addressing those allegations and saying that this is not this is not a discriminatory situation at all. And she spoke out about that. But uh, they've, they've, consi- they've continued to listen to parents. The board voted to approve policy 321 for this next phase, a review that it's, uh, it's called a second read, and that's going to happen at the next board meeting scheduled for November 15th. So right along, I'm always bringing you the latest on what's happening And what the school board is saying is that they want parental rights and they want to make sure that sensitive material, that parents are part of the process. That's that's what's happening here. I'll I'll continue to follow it for you, but I just wanted to bring you that latest and, and point out to you that as some say these are, quote unquote, discriminatory, discriminatory practices, there are many parents who say, no, 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 we we just we don't want we don't want our child to have a secret because what happens when you, when you listen to that, what happens when you have a secret with between another adult and your child? That's what parents are saying. And for years we've told, we've been told as parents in, in any kind of a parenting class, always tell your kids uh, there are no secrets. If a grown up wants to have a secret with you, wants to share a secret with you, that's not okay. You need to tell us as your parents, but they want secrets. They want to allow that. And this secret in this case would be pronouns. So in other words, what they're, what they're saying is it's a directive that says, no, 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 there, there are not secrets between the teacher and the child. By the way, some, some teachers have told me they don't, they don't want to be put in this position. So if a child says, well, I want to be called, I'm a girl and I want to be called he, him, and my name is Sue but I, I want you to call me Sam. Well, what they're saying is, no, no, no. We want you 
the teacher to talk to a, a school counselor, put it in the hands of the school counselor, and we're going to have a conversation and bring in the parents in the process. Why? Because a parent is a legal guardian, and the parent should be part of the conversation, and the parent loves the child. But there are some who want to, who literally want to cancel out the parents. And I think that's the bigger picture. The bigger picture here, whether we're canceling out Halloween celebrations that include parents or whether it's this situation, that's what I see because I keep saying, what's the goal here? You know what the goal is? The goal, in my humble opinion, is to separate the family and to not be inclusive to the family. By the way, these are families who move to this particular school district because they love their kids and they believe this is a beautiful estuary by which their children will be educated and raised in a safe and and fantastic environment. That's why they move here in the first place. These parents love their kids. And the parents are saying, why in the world would you block me and dismiss me from part of the conversation? Why would why in the world would you do this to me as a parent? It's unthinkable. But that's really what this is all about. Canceling out the parents from the conversation. It's not appropriate. 855-839-1210 is the number to call. Do we have a call right now? Oh, okay. The funny thing is Anthony's texting me. And so I just, a text just came through that said we had a call. All right, let me take a quick break. We have a lot on the other, right around the corner. I'll get to that Florida story of what the Florida Surgeon General, why he is under fire for his latest advice by tweeting out a study. The Dawn Show continues right after this. Yes, thank you for some of your, some of your tweets as I'm going through. Diane says, listening to Biden talk about his son, What I don't get is Biden's acknowledging families go through problems with their children and drugs, but yet he does nothing about it, especially the fentanyl coming across the border issue. You're spot on. Hans Hans been sober also, I think, had retweeted that. But Diane, you are spot on for sure. And, And that is why he is dropping lower and lower in the polls. So let me update you on what's happening as Ukraine is dealing with the aftermath of another day of missile attacks and power and water supplies still damaged in many locations after Russia targeted critical infrastructure. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky sang in his nightly address last night that additional strikes during the day prevented Ukrainian authorities from focusing on preparing and restoring water, water and energy supplies. So we have that going on. Russia ramping up mis- missile strikes this week after it was dealt a blow last weekend with that explosion partially destroying the Kerch Bridge that links the Russian mainland to Crimea, which Moscow, of course, annexed back in, uh, what, 2014. So following this very carefully today, Russia's security services saying that they made arrests in connection to the attack that was widely seen as humiliating for Moscow and President Vladimir Putin. Kiev has not said whether it was responsible for the attack on the bridge and said it would not respond to those arrests. So that's just in within the past hour or so. So this fits in well with you know Tulsi Gabbard speaking out with who Joe uh, Joe Rogan. Listen in. So with things like 
funding the Ukraine war with Russia. Please explain to people what that means and why, why we're sending so much money over to Ukraine. Um, so, so let's start with, with that. Let's start with the military-industrial complex. Okay. What is it? Who is it? It is these massive defense corporations who make uh, all these different weapon systems from the smallest to the most powerful nuclear weapons and missiles. Uh, when we are at war, they make a lot of money. Uh, when uh, politicians, uh, even if we're not at war, but are threatening that we may go to war, they make a lot of money. And these decisions are not made within the context of, hey, what does our military actually need? What do we need to ensure that our military is ready to defend our country and our national security interests? It is uh, very often what members of Congress are advocating for, even more than the military is asking for sometimes uh, because of those those cozy relationships with the military-industrial complex, with these massive defense contractors and their lobbyists. So there's a direct... Uh, there's a direct correlation as the money is changing hands there. Um, the The problem is not with the Democratic Party, the Republican Party on this issue. And you see so much divisiveness on tons of other issues facing our country, everything from infrastructure to education, all these other things. You see like, oh, my gosh, Democrats and Republicans can't agree on anything. This issue of putting our country in a continual state of war is supported by leaders in both parties and the majority of people in both parties. And it's directly tied to the military industrial complex's influence and tied to people who, you know, want to act and look tough, but aren't asking the most important questions like, okay, if we do this, will this help the American people or hurt the American people? Uh, If we vote to, uh, you know, send these billions of dollars to Ukraine, is that strengthening our national security or undermining it. You'll hear a lot of rhetoric, uh, especially recently, saying, hey, uh, if we, um, we've we got to send all this money to Ukraine, otherwise Russia's going to come and attack us here. Otherwise, our national security will be undermined. So they say all these things to foment fear in people's minds, but they're not rooted in reality. So what we're seeing play out now is essentially a proxy war. Uh, U.S. is engaging in a proxy war with Russia using Ukraine as their military. So the U.S. and some European countries, predominantly the U.S., though, are providing billions of dollars in funding, weapon systems, and so forth, and essentially waging this war using the Ukrainian military and people as their chess pieces in this geopolitical um, chess game. And so think about that. And as as I researched this last night, uh, the Department of Defense, DOD, had put out. So this is not a news organization I'm quoting, going to the source. So the government, the Biden administration, how much money so far a month ago uh, in September, September 9th, the Department of Defense confirmed that they've committed $14.5 billion in assistance, committing that to Ukraine. And that follows Russia's February 2022 invasion of Ukraine. So that's when they say the U.S. embarked on a long-term commitment to provide Ukraine with the tools and equipment it needs to defend its sovereignty. Since that time, 
the Department of Defense writes, more than $14.5 billion in assistance has been committed to Ukraine. Think about that. So now with the pressure happening, with the, with the escalation of what's happening with the Russian missile attacks, we're hearing that NATO, including us and the U.S. and Western allies, now we are being pressured to provide air defense. So that's what's happening. And it looks like uh, we're sending those advanced air defense systems. As former President Trump always said, when we talk about, oh, the NATO and the allies, they're providing this. But remember what he would famously say in any of these little clubs, who funds it? We pay the bulk of it, all of it. So the, the string of strikes against Ukrainian cities and key infrastructure Monday, and I've, I've been telling you about this, the blaring sirens and these uh, horrible strikes and it, this is now all galvanizing the long-standing calls from the government to its allies for more sophisticated air defense systems and longer-range weapons. So this is on top of the $14.5 billion we've already committed to Ukraine. And I've told you repeatedly how there's, there's not a lot of follow-through and follow-up on making sure that the money goes where it's supposed to go. <laughs> And so there's corruption and it's and this is these are your dollars and my dollars. These are United States American hard earned tax dollars during a time that we are sliding toward a recession. By some models, we're already in one and fourteen and a half billion dollars and counting. And this is why Americans, I think, and people all over the world, but especially we as American citizens have number one, we have a right to know. We have a right to transparency and a push for that. That's number one. Number two, you know, this is something that people are saying this is not fair, that during tough times we're sending all of this money and all of this aid during, during critical times here at home. And certainly as Florida recovers and Puerto Rico recovers, uh, some people still without power, flooded out, lives lost. So the United States, remember I reported this back in early, I'll say late June, early July, that Ukraine would be getting from us two advanced uh, anti-aircraft systems called the National Advanced Surface-to-Air Missile System. And those are part of that stream of equipment that uh, must be contracted and built within, in, within industry rather than taken from the existing stocks. And so that's part of this is what Gabbard is, uh, Tulsi Gabbard is referring to, this uh, industrial complex. So you can certainly sound off. 855-839-1210 is the number to call. I'll take a quick break here, and uh, we're going to be right back. Right around the corner, we'll talk about Florida, what's happening there with regard to the latest advice on men and boys who should think twice, consult with their doctor, before getting a booster or an initial COVID-19 vaccine. I'll talk about it. You'll hear from the doctor Come, coming right up. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. 
Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is a story that I think is so important, not getting huge national play as it deserves. And this is the story of Florida's Surgeon General, Joseph Dr. Joseph Ladapo expressing concerns after Twitter initially removed his post identifying cardiac-related risks after the COVID-19 vaccine. So the Florida Department of Health had recommended last Friday and released a study that men ages 18 to 39 not get the vaccine. And so at first they put that out there and then it was the the account was taken down or the tweet was taken down. Then Twitter restored the post as well as Dr. Ladapo's account on Sunday morning. And so he's speaking out about that. And I want you to hear this and I want to talk about this study. So this was an analysis conducted by the Department of Health in Florida showing an 84% increase in the relative incidence of cardiac-related death among young men, 18 to 39. And what was this about a year ago? Remember, we even had Dr. Maz on, Dr. Um, Anthony Mazzarelli on. We talked about a lot of concerns about the COVID-19 vaccine as it was something new and people wanted to know about it and this mRNA, you know, technology. Um, Now, 84% increase within 28 days of vaccination, okay? So Twitter released a statement after removing the tweet saying that their, quote, current misleading information policies cover synthetic and manipulated media, COVID-19, and civic integrity. And Twitter had put out, if we determine a tweet contains misleading or disputed information for our policies, that could lead to harm. We may add a label to the content to provide context and additional information. Dr. Lopato, you know, was answering a lot of questions about this and is is defending the fact that he's being transparent. He's releasing the information. But let's listen in. This is um, Dr. Lopato on with Tucker Carlson. Listen in. Tucker, it's an enormous deal. I, t- I talk to people and there's been so much confusion, as you know, over the past few years that people have trouble sometimes even identifying when something has so clearly crossed the line. So yes. I ask people sometimes who are still, he- you know, hemming and hawing about this, 
if this if this vaccine if it had been known two years ago or so that this vaccine would increase cardiac deaths in young men by 84 percent would they have approved it the obvious answer is no you would never give something to someone who was young and healthy and increase their risk of dying from from sudden cardiac death by 84%. But people are often, their response is, well, you know, I don't know, COVID's pretty bad. Yes, COVID can be terrible, but we don't give people medications that kill them. So there's been so much confusion, but yes, that's, that was our finding and it was a surprise, but that's, that's what the numbers show. Well, it's shocking. And it has, I mean, considering, you know, 200 million Americans uh, took this drug at at gunpoint, they were forced to. Um, this has massive implications. There are 50 states. Why is yours the only that's telling us this? Well, I, I think, frankly, it's because we are the only one that's asked the question. And, you know, again, it's just a reflection of how many things have been so backwards during the pandemic. Of course you look more closely at cardiac adverse events when you, you already know that the vaccine is increasing the incidence of myocarditis in young men by 10, 20, 30 times. I mean, that, that's what the studies show. So of course you should look for that. But instead, like you said, they're just hoping that somehow this goes away. This isn't going away. This is real. And, you know, and it's, it's important. I mean, it's, it's incredibly important. And so for me, with you know, two teenage boys in this, in this age range, and I played for you when Dr. Paul Offit, who's a vaccine inventor and a top doc, certainly in our region, but in the nation, and he's on that all-important panel that is an advisory panel and has advised many administrations, past and present, talking about vaccines. And so Dr. Offit had concerns about the booster and the fact that the booster for for children moving forward with the risk reward, should, he did not recommend it for healthy children. And why? Because he said that the booster, the new COVID nineteen uh, vaccine booster that's um, that's just been you know put out there. Doctor Offit saying that they had not done enough testing on it, and he he was upset. That wasn't his word. That's mine. But he was curious as to the fact that the, the companies were not being transparent any longer and not releasing all of the information that they usually go through and the fact that they had been tested on animals, for example. So here you have a, a credible doctor who's a surgeon general in Florida who's releasing a study uh, and answering questions, by the way, and I think that's impressive as well, that he's, he's answering people's all of people's uh, questions back and forth on Twitter, let them ask questions. Let there be transparency. But this is a, a not only a government official, it's somebody who's a physician and he's being very specific in talking about in talking about um, children and, and a certain age group. So his post on Twitter was reportedly, it was taken down October 9th and reinstated, as I told you, and then on Monday, he created a new thread on Twitter discussing the study's results and the process, saying that he loved the discussion that we've stimulated. That's in air, I'm putting that in quotes for you, a discussion we've stimulated and praising discussing science transparently instead of trying to cancel one another. 
So that was what uh, Dr. Lopato had responded with. So here were some of the responses real quick here on back and forth on Twitter. So the first person questioned the diagnosis codes for cardiac-related deaths, that they're imperfect. And he had written, yes, but that's true for every subgroup we examined in the study. Only in young men was the risk extremely high, and it was also increased in men over 60. Then number two, the COVID test information was only available on death certificates. He, he writes back to this person, no, we used all of our data resources, test results, vaccine records, death records to exclude individuals who had documented COVID-19 infection. And that's, that's what they wrote up in the methods section. So he's answering very specific questions that people had which I think, again, it's a good, it's a good thing, it, right? People are asking intelligent questions. And then somebody else tweeted out to him, well, the sample size of your study, of this study, is too small. And then he wrote, doctor, you know, the doctor wrote, elevated cardiac risk was also found in older men, and there were thousands of deaths in this group. He wrote, the total cardiac deaths meeting inclusion criteria among young men was 77 not 20, as, as has been going around the web. He also wrote, read the references about the method, exclamation point. Self-controlled case series tell us whether these deaths are occurring unusually close to an exposure of an mRNA COVID vaccine or whether their timing is due to chance. The doctor goes on to write, even if the sample size was half of what it is, if events cluster after an, exp an exposure, that is valuable information about causation. And then closing out his responses in this thread, Dr. Ladapo said he was asked if uh, it was, if it was, is it really that hard to imagine that mRNA COVID vaccines that increase these cases of heart troubles, myocarditis in young men by 10 times or 20 times or 30 times, right? They also increase the risk of cardiac, cardiac death in that age group. So he's asked very specific questions, and he says, of course it's not. We all know that. So very specific, detailed information. That's what I love about it. That's what people want, just the raw data. Uh, now, there were other doctors who are, you know, looking through it and critiquing the data, taking issue with the, the study because I guess it's a smaller study, that's okay too. I, you know, I think that the issue here for me, let it, we can handle this. It's very detailed, specific information. But as a, as a mom of teenage boys, for example, I want this kind of information. And in, in truth, from one of the doctors that I had spoken to, and this was obviously when Michael was 16, he just turned 18, they knew about this. They've known about this and they've been concerned about it. Okay. But we looked at the risk reward and ultimately Michael at 16, because he had just been diagnosed with juvenile diabetes, the, the, the risk reward there was that, hey, he's not healthy. He's newly diagnosed. And so, yes, he was, that vaccine was available. He was one of the first groups in Philadelphia to get the vaccine. We were grateful for it. And then my husband and I were vaccinated as well. We were Pfizer. Uh, I had zero side effects, by the way. 
nothing. I've been fine, knock wood. Um, but we, ha- we had all the detailed information. That's my point about this. We deserve the details. And then we waited, we actually waited a, a little bit for David because he was, he was only 14, 13, 14 at the time. So we waited for him, but he ultimately wanted it. And we ultimately then, because we went over all the information, we watched him initially because remember, it's within that first 28 days. But this was information that we, I feel like a lot of us had to whisper about and tiptoe around. We shouldn't be in that place. We should be allowed to know the information and all the studies and all the information. And think about all of the people. How many of you were calling in saying something strange and young, healthy men and athletes? And remember all the football players who were ripped and criticized. Oh, my goodness. And the national media. Where's the national media apologizing to all the athletes who said, no, I I don't want to get this vaccine. I'm healthy. I'm an athlete. And I'm concerned, so I'm not getting it. And yet they were ripped. 855-839-1210 is the number to call. I have much more information for you developing stories. The Dawn Show continues right after this. Headlines this morning. A judge found that a grand jury was flawed. Murder charges dropped against an ex-Philadelphia police officer. By the way, that shooting happened on duty, and we're awaiting word from District Attorney Larry Krasner as to his next move, because that judge's ruling is quite a blow to DA Larry Krasner, who, as you know, is under fire. Wells Fargo Center unveiling a $50 million club-level overhaul as the arena transformation continues. So much happening today as we're excited for Philadelphia Phillies Game 2. I've predicted we're going to win today, and then they bring it home, they get her done, and we win Friday afternoon on what will be a beautiful sunny day in Philadelphia, literally and figuratively. But I want to return to our top story this morning. These three Philadelphia SWAT officers shot, gunned down while doing their jobs this morning, serving a warrant on a murder suspect who ultimately, we're hearing, was shot dead. So earlier this morning, you know, we played for you the deputy police commissioner. This is John Stanford and talking about what happened, but also expressing anger over that suspect who, you know, had a long criminal record and perhaps should not have been out free in the first place. So listen in. This is the latest. All right. Uh, Good morning. So just uh, just after 6 a.m., SWAT officers were at the location of the 800 block of North 10th Street. Uh, attempting to serve a warrant on a, an, an individual that was wanted for a homicide and a suspect in multiple uh, armed robberies in Central Division. Upon uh, approaching the location, attempting to uh, knock and announce, uh, they were fired upon by this suspect through the door and through the window. Officers were able to continue to breach the, the property where they took on more gunfire from this individual, striking one officer in the leg, one officer in the hip, and the other officer in the upper chest uh, after the bullet kind of ricocheted off of his, his vest. Um, at that point, the, the suspect ran through the property, attempting to flee out of the rear of the property, at which point in time, uh, SWAT officers that contained that property in the rear, in the rear of the property uh, began to engage that suspect. After the suspect began to fire at them, they returned fire, ultimately striking the suspect. Um, our officers were transported here 
uh, where, uh, again, uh, the, the hospital staff did a, a tremendous job working on them. Um, and the suspect was transported to Temple Hospital where he was pronounced at 7.32 a.m. Um, the two of our officers um, will be uh, released hopefully by the end of the day and the other officer will be uh, admitted for some uh, continuous uh, observation. Uh, Commissioner Outlaw spoke to the officer. She is away at Major City Chiefs uh, event, which all chiefs in the, in, in the country are, are at this weekend and so, uh, this week. And so she spoke to the officers this morning, uh, was able to, uh, again, extend her, her thoughts and prayers with them. Um, but as the mayor said, this is ridiculous. I mean, this is within a, a few days, we had officers fired upon in East Division um, and now we have officers that are shot. Uh, this is something that these officers sign up to do a job, is to protect and serve, but not to take gunfire. And, and at some point, it becomes enough. And, and I think we've already passed that point where, where it's enough. And, and we need that anger to, to resonate across the citizens of this city as well, because it's not a day that goes by that we don't either have a child that's shot or multiple people shot because there are too many people that are out out here carrying guns and they, they don't have consequences and so some of these people need to be in jail and that's the bottom line and that's the consistent thing that we keep seeing and again I'll leave you all to pointing the fingers but the bottom line is that some people need to be in jail and and this is indicative of it that we have three SWAT officers that again are doing their job trying to get a male that's wanted for a homicide and multiple gunpoint robberies that should not be happening. This this just should not be happening. Are you pointing a finger towards the district attorney? I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm pointing it at everybody, right? Because there's too many people that have guns. This is a 19-year-old, 19-year-old suspect. So something has been broken in this, this young man's life for a long time, and it just didn't start today. And so, again, you all can point the finger to whoever you want, but the bottom line comes down to this is everybody, including parents. I've said this before, family members. Um, this is an all-hands-on-deck type of situation where everybody has to be held accountable but at the end of the day, we can't keep having suspects that have lengthy records. This male has a, a record for armed robberies, which he's committed in the past two years. Um, so again, at the end of the day, it, it comes down to some folks, not everybody. And so I want to be very clear about that. Not everybody deserves to be in jail. But some folks that have a lengthy record, um, they deserve to be in jail. And because, again, there are too many innocent citizens that are essentially their lives are at risk every day because people there there isn't any accountability right which and you hear the the emotion it you know as as the police talk about other officers three officers shot police say that the man attempted to escape out the rear of the property but he was met by SWAT the suspect then shot by SWAT after he first opened fire so the 19 year old was later pronounced dead at Temple University Hospital. He was wanted for murder and multiple gunpoint robberies. So the question is, which robberies and all of that? There's so much more that we want to know. Neighbors, this has gone viral with neighbors in that area saying it sounded like a war zone and how terrifying it was and saying that the shooting happened just before bus drivers were you know, heading out to pick up kids for school. So she said, you never know when you could just walk out of your house with your child at the bus stop and get shot, speaking out against these these criminals and how it's much like the wild, wild west. But you can hear the, the frustration and the emotion in the voice of John Stafford, Stanford of Philadelphia Police talking about that one. And Mayor Kenny, I know, is supposed to provide an update later this afternoon in a few hours 
Mayor Kenny had tweeted out that he had visited the three officers in the hospital as they recover. It looks like two officers, all three officers who were shot are in stable condition. Two of them hopefully treated and released within 24 hours. But the third officer, it looks like it's a a bit more serious, but his condition stabilized. So certainly his family rushing. They're not releasing their names quite yet because when this happens, obviously, they want to they want to get all the family. They don't want any family member or any kid who's in school to have to learn later, oh, you know, the name being announced as they're going back and forth in their day and hearing a name and, oh, my goodness, it's your son, it's your nephew. So they want to make sure that the next of kin is all notified. And that's why we don't have the officers, those SWAT officers' uh, names revealed yet. But certainly a lot of prayers for them <laughs> this morning, as you can imagine, in the line of duty and hearing that they were they were shot on the on the job, but expected to survive physically. I wanted to switch. The Social Security Administration is expected to announce this week the largest inflation adjustment to benefits in more than 40 years. So this impacts roughly 70 million Americans, including retirees, those who are disabled, widowers, and others, they're likely to see an 8.7% COLA adjustment, as it's called, cost of living adjustment. And that's uh, according to the recent, administ- recent administration estimates. So we're waiting for that official word. Uh, could be, it looks like it's going to be Thursday that we get the, the official word on this one. But this is a huge, this is a big boost, the biggest increase since 1981. And you may remember that's back in the day when inflation uh, was pretty high. So the cost of living adjustments have been in place since 1975 as a way to adequately keep pace with the inflation. We haven't seen this, you know, like this. So COLAs are based on increases in the consumer price index for urban wage earners and clerical workers, etc., from the third quarter of the previous year to the corresponding quarter of the current year. And that's according to the Social Security Administration. But it's another sign to us of tough times that the biggest Social Security cost of living increase in decades is expected this week. And TikTok, we look at our, you know, the federal the federal budget deficit, and it just goes up and up. Latest, what's this? A light lightning struck fire at the home of Senator Joe Biden back in the day. This was August 2nd, 2004. So he has repeated, they're saying, um, some tall tales, and that was him exaggerating a 2004 fire story. So they're, you know, this is, all of these stories are breaking as we talk about President Biden's tall tales and how um, maybe he doesn't remember things quite as they were. Anthony, what other sound do we have this morning? I, um, I mean, we have uh, some of the reports, like uh, Brown Street with the SWAT report. Um, there was some stuff for, with Fetterman um, that was pretty interesting as NBC had that first interview. Um, I think the best sound we have left, I would probably say, is uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre on Russia and Saudi Arabia as uh, obviously the whole OPEC news and the uh, Saudi production is affecting uh, the Biden approval rating. And they made some comments on this yesterday following uh, the announcement. Uh, here's Kareem Jean-Pierre. Talk about reassessing the relationship with Saudi Arabia. Uh, what is the administration prepared to do at this point uh, as far as reassessing it? What about weapon sales, diplomatic relations? Can you talk about some of the options here? 
So from the beginning of the administration, since taking office, the president has been very clear that the United States needs to uh, needs a different sort of relationship uh, with Saudi Arabia. He has said that from very early on. And I have said this last week when OPEC made the decision uh, to align uh, their energy policy with Russia's war, war aims and against the American people further underscores that reasoning to realign uh, that relationship, to reevaluate uh, that relationship with Saudi Arabia. We are reviewing where we are currently right now, and we'll be watching closely over the coming weeks and months as well, uh, consulting with our allies and also with our uh, with members of Congress, and decisions will be made uh, once, that, uh, once, that, once that policy review is underway. Yes, so we're following all of that. And of course, earlier we played um, Jake Tapper interviewing, of course, President Joe Biden last night in that huge interview, a, a huge get. And, you know, some of you taking issue with the fact that I said, you know, Jake Tapper, it's a big interview for him. And I felt like he asked some good follow ups. So I always appreciate you saying, well, no, he's weak. He's, you know, these are these are softball questions. And so I tweeted back. No, no. Well, this is as good as it gets. I mean, it's better than Don Lemon, who's now apparently going to the mornings and maybe he'll find some redemption there, or, in my opinion, they're just waiting out the contract of CNN's Don Lemon because they can't take him off the air while he's under contract. So they'll put him on with a, a big team of others, maybe grow that morning team, and then, you know, when the contract's up, say, meh, ratings aren't that great in the morning, so we're just going to regroup here. Why is Moderna um, trending? That's trending today, but also... We have the latest from um, from actually a report on an update report on Florida. Most of the Hurricane Ian's 100 plus victims in Florida died by drowning. And that's from the latest study that the deaths of more than 100 people in Florida is now being attributed to Hurricane Ian, obviously. And most of those fatalities were the result of drowning. So victims who did not leave their homesteads or were swept up when, especially in Fort Myers, Florida, where, as you know, I'd worked there for, what, three years early on in my career, Wink TV. And initially, people were told that the storm was going to hit further north in Tampa, there on the Gulf side. I know so many people who are so lucky because they just said, nope, I'm not leaving my house. And the problem was they couldn't get to the flood victims in time. So that is so tragedy. Most of those fatalities happened in Lee County, where more than 50 deaths were reported, and that was followed by Monroe and then Sarasota counties. And the cleanup there, I'm talking to relatives and families, family members who say that the cleanup is going to take a long time, especially in South Florida. So prayers for them. Toss to Dom Giordano. Hey, uh, hey Dawn, you. yes. Uh, a lot from that uh, cop today, the deputy commissioner. Yes. And then he stops short and starts talking about everyone in the world is responsible One thing I noticed, I believe this is government housing. How are three 19 or 20-year-olds taking that? Who's the owner? How are they in there? How did all this happen? We know the answer to why he was out. Krasner. We look forward to the Dom Giordano show coming right up. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. 
Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 